Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by stand-up comedian and now author Lou Perez, joining me from New Jersey. Really appreciate Lou coming on the show today. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Lou Perez from New Jersey. Lou, how are you today? I'm doing very good. I I feel like uh, I'm about to say, look, you know, first time, long time. We got to talk about the Giants right now. Got to get back to basics with that with that introduction. Lou Perez from New Jersey. That does sound like a sports um, a sports call, like Jim Rome or JT the Brick or or something like uh, uh, old fashioned. I grew up as a big big time sports fan and really got into being a, a, a radio a fan of talk radio in large part through, through sports talk radio. Yeah. You? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I grew up uh, as a kid. I played ice hockey. That was like, well, I, I guess as a kid, you play, I played baseball and you know, all that, but ice hockey was my main, uh, was my main focus. And then around, uh, in my late twenties, early thirties, I, I decided I wanted to, um, grapple dudes. So I got into um, jujitsu. Awesome! Which I, been, I trained jujitsu also. I, I had a feeling. Yeah. I had a feeling. Did you? Um, <laughs> I could feel your skin through the uh, okay. through the screen. Um, uh, I, I've been I've been uh, I've been on and off for so long. Like one one time I was everything was going well. Then I got injured and I was out for like a year. Mm. And then I went back and things were going well again. And then I like blinked and I was like, oh man, I haven't rolled in like two or three years. Like mm. what the, what's going on? So it's um, right now I'm at, I'm at a point where uh, when I go back, I enjoy it and I'm thankful I went back. But also a part of me is like, you should be so much better right now. And yeah. you would be so much better if you had kept going to class, but you didn't. 
and now you're hurting and you, you know, feel like a, like a loser. And then, you know, turn around, it's a few more months that I didn't go back. So I, I got to get over this psychological hump that's in my way and get back out there and, and train. That's an interesting topic. I, I didn't start doing jujitsu until I was 32 years old. And I actually went to a high school that had a good wrestling program. And I'm a 5'9 white guy. For some reason, I was decided to play basketball. Last guy on the bench for the basketball team. In hindsight, I should have been fucking wrestling. Like, what the fuck? Had I been wrestling similar type psychology you're describing there i mean my takedowns would not be complete garbage which they are dude i i mean one of the most annoying things is you know like you know you've been training a while and then like a new guy comes in and you're like oh cool new guy i got him yeah. and it's like now nah, this guy was like a you know division two wrestler in college it's like this yeah. is gonna be very this is gonna be a very very painful uh, uh experience especially if they don't have like like flow that's uh that's definitely a a big part of it. Where, where did you grow up? What was your... Uh, in Kentucky. I went, I went to Oldham County High School, a suburb right outside of Louisville. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah, like growing up, I had no... I, I didn't I didn't even like horsing around. I didn't like... You really? know, like playing grab ass and, and all that with the other uh, with the other guys. I was, I was like, get away from me. And then, you yeah, know, at some point, I guess, you know, probably, probably to do a lot with, you know, the uh, uh, entrance of like mixed martial arts into the culture, you know, sure. starting like in the, you know, in the nineties with, uh, you know, the Gracie's and all that and just seeing it and then just seeing it as like a really effective, then not only like an effective, you know, system, but, but also like all these people who are doing it and it seems to be enriching their lives greatly, you know? So I, I think, uh, I definitely hopped on the, the bandwagon, but I think it's a, I think it's a great bandwagon to hop on. It is. Sure. Even if you're not like competing, it's a yeah. right now. My sweet spot is I'm doing more hot yoga with my wife than I do jujitsu. So that minimizes how fucked up my back is. Yeah. And so yeah. I can train maybe two times a week, sometimes three, do a couple, uh, you know, here and there. So I, I, I train, you know, when I can, but more so with the, the yoga to try to keep my back. Okay. Yeah, when, when when I lived in uh, in Los Angeles for a few years, um, uh, uh, when I met my wife or soon to be wife, uh, I moved out there. We like we uh, we did a long distance relationship. Then eventually she moved out, and she got me into, I guess, yoga out there. Mm. And it just seemed like yoga out yoga in California or L.A. where we were versus yoga in New York seemed to be, I don't know, just like different degrees you know it seemed like the yoga in in la was a lot more intense even though you don't necessarily think that yoga is going to be intense but uh man it was like ass kicking difficult. yeah that's what i do i do the bikram hot yoga so like the real hot and i'm not saying i'm a badass i mean there's literally a 78 year old woman next to me just showing me up every time uh but it's you know it's tough if you go in there hungover or you know, you're dehydrated. You could easily like get to the point of fainting or whatever. I mean, it's a serious, serious workout. Uh, yeah. The good thing about that is you could just slide out of the room. Yeah. All right. Cause you're just so funky sweaty. Yep. <laughs> um, Lou being, this is the first time I've chatted with you. I know we touched on a little bit of your background already. Um, what's the, the backstory uh, on Lou Perez? You mentioned thus far, New Jersey, Los Angeles, but where did you grow up at? How old are you? Um, what's your, what's your backstory? 
Yeah, this is where I reveal all of my security questions to get into my bank account. That's what I'm getting credit at. Cards it, share that. as much as you're comfortable with. I mean, like, this is Lou, my what, what was your what was your grandmother's maiden name? What was the first car that you had in high school? Any pets? You sitting on many assets? <laughs> Not at this point. Okay. I, got, I got a lot of got a lot of debt. Ah, never uh, mind. Let's of, just skip this part. Yeah. Um, no, I I, uh, I grew up in in Queens, New York. Um, I was born in 82, so I'm 40. I'm going to be 41 in February of uh, next year. Hey, guys, look, before you know it, 2022 is over. It's crazy. Time flies. Um, I uh, started doing uh, comedy in college, uh, sketch and improv. And then uh, later on, I finally got the nerve, uh, the balls to try stand up. And uh, yeah, for around 20 years, I've been doing uh, doing comedy in one genre or another or all combined. And then uh, the latest, uh, you know, I guess the chapter in my my story in my life story is I wrote a book. So. And that is your first book. It's my first book. It's called That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore on the Death and Rebirth of Comedy available Everywhere online, I think. I think you can get it anywhere. Um, if you can head over to Amazon and get it, that'd be sweet. Leave a review if you like it. So uh, I'm looking at the um, at the summary of it, and it says, the woke are killing comedy, and that makes being a comedian today better than ever. Okay, so basically my interpretation of that is if you're, if you're not a complete pussy, you can get some laughs. You can you can touch on some sensitive subjects, and people appreciate that more so than ever. They're like, "Hey, this guy's not you know uh, uh, bowing to the woke mob. He's at least comfortable joking about things. He's not going out there and like being a, a crazy you know white supremacist or something you know actually really hateful. But he's not a pussy." Yeah, I think uh, uh, not being. Uh uh, how'd you put it? At first, I, yeah, very first elegant. I, very, very. Not, not that much of a pussy. Is that, not is that, that much a of a pussy? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a great opportunity if you don't want to be that much of a pussy, um, you know, to get out there and uh, and hop up on stage and all that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you know a lot of people are really down on on comedy now, and I think a big reason why is because so much of what we're what we're used to seeing as comedy or at least the establishment uh, comedy whether it's late night whether it's snl that sort of thing um they're they're pretty bad they suck now so if that's all you're consuming then it's like oh man where the hell's comedy gonna go but i think uh you know anybody who's you know online uh knows where comedy is and it's in you know independent uh creators out there and i think now is the best time to be doing comedy, uh, not only because uh, if you're uh, you know uh, half a pussy, you can get out there and do your thing half and make pussy. fun. If you're half a pussy, you can get out there and make fun of all these different subjects. Um, but also, like you have the technology to create your own stuff and to build your own audience, and I think that's something that uh, we've never really had before. You know, it, it sounds consistent with some of the more popular liberty centric type thinkers of today. You know, I always hear Dave Smith or I think also Michael Malice talk about how Ron Paul would always maintain you gotta 
you got to maintain some sense of optimism. You know, you don't want to be um, just this, I guess, black pilled. You don't want to be too negative, of course. That's A, not sellable. Nobody really wants to hear that. Uh, but B, um, I mean, in a lot of ways, there are some silver linings, and it sounds like that's what you're, you're uh, highlighting. Yeah, and I think there's good reason to. You know, it's, I don't, I'm, I, you don't want to, um, uh, you know, lie to yourself. And, and I, and I think, uh, I would be lying if I said that I didn't feel positive about the future. You know, um, I think there's a lot of good reasons, uh, to do that. And also, I think a big part of it too is, uh, I remember a little while back, uh, somebody who, was a fan of my work reached out to me and said, you know, am I, am I hopeful for the future? And, um, I basically said to him, it's like, you know, I don't really have a choice, you know, uh, but to be hopeful. And if I'm not hopeful, I need to create my own hope. Uh, so I need to create my own hope as far as my career goes and create, uh, opportunities for myself. I can't sit back and wait for, you know, the, you know, the knock on the door, the phone call to, to come to say that you're going to be a star kid. Like it just doesn't, doesn't work that way, at least not for me. And then also um, in my, in my personal life, I'm married. I have, I have two kids. It's like, I can't, you know, I can't sit back and just, you know, pull the covers over me and just sleep the day away. It's like, no, I gotta, I gotta work and I gotta create and uh, I gotta keep moving. That's great. How old are your kids? Um, Two and one. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any? Do you have any kids? I do. I have a stepdaughter who's 16, and then I have a daughter who is, is uh, 14, and my son is 13. So I have three teenagers. None of them can wow. drive right now, but it's chaos. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I can't even, I can't even imagine what that's going to be, what that's going to be like. Um, yeah, teenagers, man. I, 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 it's so funny because I... I I never had any interest in kids and you guys can take that in every single way that you can possibly. <laughs> I've never been into kids, Kelly. Um, I swear to God. I swear to God. <laughs> There's no evidence. I, 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 I burned that, that laptop. Um, yeah, I was never like, you know, into kids. And when I met my, when I met my wife, my, my, to uh, be, uh, she really got me to want to be a father. Uh, which is cool if you if you meet somebody like that who you know sort of changes your you know your world view and or or it might be it might be that a combination of you know we met when I was like 30 31 you know so you know getting up in um in age and you know I think guys also have like a biological clock that was you know was uh was ticking um but yeah and and now you know having two of them um it's uh it, it's so wild. I don't know if I don't know if uh, if if it was like this for, for you for you guys, but my like when we would get our kids to finally sleep, you know, we'd sit on the couch and then we'd immediately start scrolling through pictures of them. And it's like we just get we just like went through hell trying to get these guys to sleep, and yet we still want to look at these little fuckers. So. Super corny. It, it is. It's yeah. it's. Um... No, I'm 39 years old, so about the same age as you. I actually um, whew, want to put this elegantly, but when I was 23, I found out my ex-girlfriend at the time was pregnant, and so I kind of, different introduction, but I also didn't want kids. I remember being drunk like a month before I found out I was expecting a kid, saying, 
I don't see the point, you know, just like it just didn't make sense. Um, yeah. But my, I was kind of more thrown into it and just me being reckless resulted in me having a daughter. And then I settled down and got married, had a son with, with my then wife. And I mean, it's, it's corny, but it's, it's fucking true. Like, like it's, you know, nothing. I have like had multiple instances of like tears in my eyes. If it comes to just, it's weird. The simplest shit about your kids. And it just turns me into a big, a big pussy. <laughs> well, I, well, I think, you know, for one, I'm, I'm really happy that it worked out for you like that. You know, that's great. I like to hear, I like to hear good story, you know, positive stories. I don't know if there's more to the, you know, we don't know. It was that, positive. But. I have 50% custody of my two kids from my previous marriage. 100% with my, my stepdaughter. So, I mean, I really do. I, I, I've got a, a good setup. It's 50% of the time I've got my two kids and the other time, you know, the other one, 100%. So, I've got an ideal setup uh, in a lot of ways. I guess I, I should be clear. Ideal would be 100% with each kid. Uh, but I've got a relatively pretty good setup for being divorced. Nice. Yeah, and, you know, I have to say, like, you know, having kids – you know, like I said, I have a two-year-old and a one-year-old and I'm, you know, I'm 40. It's like, yo, kids are really for the young, man. Like, like if you're in your twenties, you know, and you find somebody, especially if you could find somebody, you know, like, I wish I had had them, you know, earlier on, of course, you know, life doesn't go that way. It's not like I, I wasn't even with my, you know, dating my wife, um, you know, uh, when I was in my twenties, but man, like, when you talk about just like the day-to-day sleep deprivation running around um, you i mean my two kids are basically like they're yeah. just balls of muscle that don't stop moving yeah you know and my my youngest does this thing you know you're trying to get to know the guy and he has to be picked up and you pick him up and then he immediately is like pushing himself away from you to be put down but then you put him down he wants to be picked up again and it's like dude what do you what do you want now he's climbing on everything He's just like in my. Uh, I hope I'm not boring your. Uh, no, your this listeners. is this is this is great. <laughs> uh, he's a climber now, so like he's one, and he manages to get up on, like gets to heights that you just shouldn't be getting to. So we have a, a dining room table, and my wife uh, went out for the afternoon, and I turn around, and I see this kid like, basically, he's about to get up onto the table, so I end up like having to take all the chairs and put them on top of the dining room table just to stop this dude from having like any, uh, any free solo material, you know, to be, to be climbing up. And um, I'm pretty sure that, you know, the next, what, 18, 20 years are probably going to be just like that. <laughs> how, how many months apart are you two? What are they? I think 17, 17. 17 okay. Okay. Yeah. I think That's like nice. That. You did it in a, you know, pretty, boom, boom, uh, back to back type deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we did it too, because my, uh, my wife's uh, four years younger than I am. And, uh, if you're a woman, uh, who's, you know, say you reach, you know, 35 and you're, and you're pregnant, I think they, I think the term is geriatric pregnancy. Mm. You know, they call you a geriatric, you're an old lady, you know, uh, like, you know, getting pregnant and, you know, you go, th- you, you're just constantly taking all these, all these tests and every result is they're scaring the shit out of you and giving you like all these percentages of like what could go wrong with the child and all that. 
and you know it's like it's a lot you know it's a it's a lot to be uh you know to to be going through so i think that's like probably like another advantage to having kids when you're younger it's just you know your body and statistically it's just healthier you know to do it when you when you're younger yeah yeah this is kind of a similar conversation about what we were saying earlier about how i wish i wrestled in high school right you know or you know it's funny to play the ideally things would have went this way game right or you know like you know it's like wish you had wrestled in high school and came at a guy because then he wouldn't have gotten pregnant and then your whole life would have been just different you know exactly yep that's that's a, the next step <laughs> i mean logically when i mean when i when i said wrestling exactly we know what we we know what we meant <laughs> i've met people who try to convince me one of my friend's dads tried to convince me that he thinks the reason that I do he honestly thinks the reason that I enjoy jujitsu is because I'm secretly homosexual. There we go. Yeah, I love. I uh, I'm, I'm not the first one to say it, but it, it's like it's like no. Well, the thing is, if you don't know jujitsu and the other guy does, he's like he gets to decide whether or not <laughs> you are homo you are gay in that moment. Yeah, like that. Yeah, I think a lot. Yeah, a lot of people. I, I don't know. It's. A, it's so funny. It's definitely something that you have to, you have to try to really get it. You know, um, there's a, I don't know. There's, there, there's something there are those, those moments when you feel powerful when you're like, Holy shit, I can't believe that I just did that. Or man, this guy is much bigger than I am. And yet I, I was able to sweep him. That's, you know, it's kind of like a magic to it. And then there are times, you know, like most of the time <laughs> where it's like, Man, I am, I am weak. I am dog shit. I am dog shit, you know? And, you know, something I was thinking about, too, because uh, recently, uh, you know, Gordon Ryan, um, you know, uh, and Gal Galvao, you know, uh, had finally had their match, and Gordon Ryan submitted uh, Andre Galvao. And for those, you know, uh, those who don't know, I mean, Galvao is, I think, it's either him or, or Hodger Gracie or probably like the the most decorated, you know, high, like most championships, you know, when it comes to uh, jujitsu and, and Gordon Ryan is just this unreal phenom, you know, who just destroys, you know, the best of the, of the best. And um, it's, it's wild to just like, I don't know. It's like, I almost can't comprehend the difference in skill level between like a Gordon Ryan mm. and like, and like the best black belt at your school, you know, where it's like, there's a possibility of the best black belt at your school. Like, can't, I mean, forget about ADCC, like, you know, like there's won't even, you know, couldn't even compete, you know, let alone compete with the gods of, of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And it, it's wild. It, it's a thing too. Like you look at, uh, you look at guys you're like wait a minute you guys have like the same body like it's so weird like yeah. wait a minute you're like like you're both like 155 pounds like why how can this guy be doing you know that with the same body that you can't do that with you know so. there, there's some interesting psychological stuff we're touching on in a couple of these things but jujitsu is fucking wild i think back to yeah. when i started uh, one purple belt in particular would just smoke me okay smoke me in my mind he was the baddest motherfucker I'd ever met. Mm -hmm. 
And I, you know, the more that I've trained, I'm not saying I'm beating them up, I'm not, but I, I can kind of see where to some new people, and it's not to the same degree, walking in now, they could roll with me. And if I, sub- they're brand new. And if I submit them five times in a row, they might be thinking that shit about me. And I'm really not that, I'm honestly not that good. It's just wild how they say there, there really are, you know, there's levels in jujitsu. I think psychologically, the, the, um, the grappling stuff, the parenting, um, you, you seem to be drawn to some of that. Also, the stand-up comedy has to have some severe ups and downs. Yeah, definitely. You know, it, I think like all, like, you know, all of these things, you know, the most important factor is getting up and doing it, getting out and doing it. Like with, you know, with jujitsu, you know, there there were times I was like riding the subway and in my head, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do, you know, and it's like, no, then you get on the mats. Like, you know, you can't do that because there's another human being who's saying, I'm not allowing you to do that. Um, and I think it could be a similar thing with with stand up, where you know, you, in your head, you could be like, "Oh my god, this is such a great, such a great bit," but is it until until you try it in front of people and hone it and 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 work it out? Um, you know, so I think in, in some respects, those are there are similar. Then there's also like um, the reality of having to deal with failure. I think, like I talked about, you know, earlier with my on again, off again relationship with jujitsu. It's like, man, you know, trying to, to get the rust off is so painful and just like, man, it just, it just sucks. And I've had, I've had, I I mean, kind of similar experiences sometimes with, with stand up, not as, I don't think it's as humiliating. <laughs> I, I would say where I didn't necessarily feel like physically beat up, but there, there've been times when I've had to, I've had like breaks of like, say like a few months without performing. And, you know, I get called to, you know, do a gig where I'm doing like, you know, 45 minutes and um, I'm rusty. I don't feel, I don't feel totally uh, there. Um, the audience might not necessarily pick up on it on, on all of it, but it's like, Oh man, I know I could be so much better right now. If I was in like a, you know, more of a flow state, if I had been, you know, getting the reps in and getting up and and doing, uh, you know, doing shows, uh, before this, but yeah, I mean, ultimately you just gotta, it's a risk, you know, um, you know, you get up and you learn things about, about yourself. Uh, you know, you learn, your limits, I guess, you know, to, to a certain extent and also how, how far you're, you're willing to go with, uh, with this stuff. I think I'm, I'm, I'm much better at stand up and comedy than I am at jujitsu. But, <laughs> but you said you thought it was more humiliating. I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Mm-hmm. More humiliating to get your ass beat on the mats than to bomb in stand up comedy. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think in recent memory, uh, that's how I've felt. So like over the past, over the past few years, I think it's been, um, so I, I think I've gone to a point with, with comedy where, and in the book, I, I talk about a, a, a couple of experiences bombing that will always be with me. And now they will always be with the world because they're published. Um, and sort of able to look back on that and, and know that there was, that I'd grown from them. You know, like they were important 
every comedian goes through goes through that every comedian has those um those experiences um for me i think i might be a little bit different from other people who you know have done jujitsu and the the humiliation part of it is that over the past few years i i guess there's been a lot of like personal shit that that i've gone through where i have sort of projected that onto training in, in jujitsu so it's like where other guys are you know coming there you know to exercise to improve their skills to get better i was sort of having these i don't know if it would be like a proxy fight with the shit that was you know happening to me you know where it's like uh situations where i it would be illegal for me to strangle this the, the person in these other situations but here on on the mat i'm able to do that and to to have like these fantasies of like i'm going to kind of like tough guy this real life situation right have that fantasy and then be on the mat and be incapable of doing that mm. you know it's sort of that, that 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 that's what that's what i was going through a lot with the um going getting back into into training but you've been doing stand-up comedy you said for over 20 years uh, stand up i think probably like 13 oh i'm sorry like, okay so 13 no, 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 that's okay. a long time you've been doing stand-up comedy longer than you've been doing jujitsu oh yeah 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 and and you know definitely when it comes to like you know uh frequently too like the amount of the you know the the breaks from from stand-up are definitely a lot shorter i think than my breaks from uh you know the physical activity of of uh of jujitsu um but it's cool having like the these conversations. i don't i don't often have these conversations i i had um uh, on my podcast i had matt thornton on uh from uh, straight blast gym uh and he was great um and you know he, um being able to talk about about that because it's, it's it's like you know what's he bringing making the 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 comparison with uh, stand up and and jujitsu, it's sort of like people bring a lot of stuff from their life to 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 the mat or to the mic, you know. And it's sort of like um, if you're the type of person who is bringing, like I was, a lot of personal shit to the mat, it was definitely hindering my growth and my and and uh, my um, uh, you know me being able to to become a, a more skilled to learn you know because i was like so like fuck i just lost and oh god i'm a I, this sucks and i'm i'm you know i'm, I'm not going to be good and blah 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 i'm getting and worse think, i'm getting worse yeah i'm getting worse i'm getting worse exactly um and it's a similar thing too it, it could be that with with stand up you know i see some people who are doing stand up and it's like it's like oh you're bringing two you shouldn't be bringing that shit to the mic it's like you know you're bringing your yeah you could use stand up as like kind of a therapy but there has to be a part of that therapy that also acknowledges people are listening to you and you know that you're looking to entertain them so the human experience is interesting i'm convinced if you go for a walk brief little walk around your neighborhood let's say the same little walk every day your mood or at least you know mine some days I would do that little walk and feel really good about it. I'd be like, that was fun. I like this walk. 
other days. So even though it's not a competitive environment at all, I would feel good about it. Other days I'd be maybe more pessimistic or for some reason just have shit going on in my head, right? And maybe I, I hated the walk or whatever. But then you add in the elements of, you know, in jujitsu, you tried this and then you looked stupid and it didn't work. And then if that coincides with one of those days where you were naturally prone to not feeling quite as optimistic, it could be like a man, what the fuck type moment. Yeah. 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 The, the, uh, the alignment of the stars. It's like, oh man, this shitty thing just happened. Now this shitty thing happened. I came here to, you know, escape, uh, not just the, you know, the outside world, but also that feeling of while I was on, while I was on the outside and, oh, here it is again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you've been doing stand up for 13 years. Of course, you, you said you mentioned some of the stories of bombing in the book. Um, what, maybe not what's in the book with, with those stories, but do you have any specific, like, man, I shouldn't. I saw someone I knew try stand-up one time, and he just tried a bunch of rape jokes. Just all rape joke. It was right after the Bill Cosby stuff. And he was just, you know, trying to justify basically rape. He was trying to be funny. Wait, what? What happened with Bill Cosby? What? <laughs> you I need he, an update. You think he's innocent? I'm, who is this Bill Cosby? I've never, I've never heard of this man. Have you ever tried material that was just too fucking much? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I've definitely uh, done stuff. Uh, yeah, um, and it doesn't work out. Um, oh man, there was there was this one time. I'm very I'm I'm very bad handling hecklers. Like there are comedians that are just really good at it, you know. No nobody likes hecklers like uh you know even comedians who are great at handling them. It's like hecklers aren't never help the show. You know, they might work if, as far as you know videos that people want to watch on YouTube, you know, like here's a you know a master cut of all these of you know hecklers being owned and it's like okay that's that's fun but you know for the most part it's like you you want to be able to do your act and you know interact with the crowd um if you choose to to interact with the crowd not to have you know somebody bored out so i I would have stuff where i would just be you know just like too mean i think um just go from like to the the hecklers you'd be too mean yeah, yeah, like go from like <laughs> okay, zero okay. to sixty, and the, you, yeah. you, then you're thinking, "Whoa, maybe, maybe I got a little carried away there." Yeah, you start I, I yelling, "Get him the fuck out of here!" Shit like that. <laughs> what? Where was it? I, I, there was this one open mic that I did. This was years ago, and my dad had just had a heart attack. So my dad, he was sixty five. This is a while back, and he had had a heart attack. I went to, I was in Los Angeles. I flew back to New York to be with him. And then I came back uh, to LA and I did an open mic and I had this joke. Uh, I said something about, you know, I'm looking at my mom and I'm like, I'm like, damn, I'm about to, I'm about to be an orphan, you know, like, and I'm like, my mom's way too old to get like a new guy. And it's like, that's messed up. Like now I gotta be an orphan. I can't even rely on my mom to find a new man. Like that's really messed up. It, it's not that funny, I, I, you know, it's, it, but judging by your response, uh, but it was, you know, I was like doing something like that. And then, 
a woman I kind of yelled out from the crowd like I lost my dad Ooh. two years ago or something like that. Ooh, and, <laughs> where, where where does this go? Yeah, and then I was like, to to what? You know, I'm like, oh, what what happened to your dad? And she's like, he, he died of a cancer or something like that. Oh, and God. I said, well, my and I said, well, my dad's still around, so my dad's stronger than your dad. Oh my god! Yeah, and then there was like, a, I'm, I'm, oh, it's so bad going back to these places because I don't want to remember like the look on the person's face <laughs> and stuff. And a lot of it is like, you know under different circumstances i was been like oh that you know that's terrible sorry to hear that and try to make light of maybe something you know tangential um but yeah she was like like upset about it and i i think i may have dug in a little bit more <laughs> and it, you know and it's just like it was in the middle of your stand up comedy set for right yeah that, that's yeah. relevant your job is to to make to bring some humor to it yeah, I was trying some. Yeah, and I was trying some new material uh, and all that. But yeah, yeah, whoever you are, if you're a listener, you know, to the Kelly Panachery <laughs> show, I'm thinking about you. Uh, I can't apologize. I'm not. Like, I I won't allow myself to apologize. But uh, you know, it happened. and We were there. So you know who never? I don't think ever really apologizes is Donald Trump. I don't think so. Yeah, has he ever? I, you know, I maybe he has. I don't remember hearing him apologizing. Also, I don't remember him like deleting tweets. I think there may have been a. Maybe there was. Okay. Yeah, I think there may have been a. I don't know if it if it became a case, but I think there was there was some controversy over the official like POTUS uh, at P O T U S. Uh, whether or the White House deleting tweets, if that was illegal or not, because they have to keep like historical records. But I mean, doesn't that, that feels like so long ago. Uh, I mean, I know he just announced that what he's going to run again, but mm -hmm. damn, like his, his tenure just feels so long ago. From uh, a stand-up comedy perspective, thoughts on Trump running again. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, buckle up. This is going to be a fucking shit show. Yeah, it's definitely going to be it's definitely going to be a shit show. Um uh you know, I think like like always there's going to be the challenge to for comedians to be remain fresh, you know, and original in what happens. I mean, so many jokes have already been done about the guy. I feel like a lot of people are going to be recycling it, recycling them, you know, it's going to be jokes about the spray tan orange uh tiny hands the uh you know that that sort of thing um but yeah when he was when he was president i mean you'd often hear people be like um let me just get this cough out excuse me um you would you would often hear people say like oh well man this must be great to be a comedian because the jokes write themselves right mm. and it's like well you could let them write themselves, in which case you're going to be unoriginal hack. You're going to be like the 95% of jokes that people can see either on late night TV or on Twitter or anywhere else. Or, you know, you could challenge yourself to not allow the jokes to write themselves. And I think that's really important, no matter, you know, whether you're a, a Trump fan or, or, or you hate the guy, um, or, you know, you're somewhere in the middle, uh, you know, 
seeing you know the material put in front of you and saying like oh how can this be different you know how, how can we, yeah that makes sense i i i guess when i'm thinking of donald trump in you know the debate <laughs> some of the funniest shit i have witnessed in my life so maybe not great for a stand up comedian to utilize but just to witness some of these debates and shit remember when him and marco rubio were talking shit about each other's dick size how great was that yeah, what did it, yeah, what was the, uh, because they were using like some euphemisms, right? Yeah, Marco it? Rubio said, because Donald kept calling him Little Marco, because he always has the nicknames, which is fucking hilarious. Right. I mean, it just is funny. Um, and then Marco Rubio, he must have had one of his advisors say, you know, you should mention Donald Trump has small hands. Supposedly there had been articles about it, and Trump had like dispelled the argue the articles in the past, like he was clearly offended by it, and so and so somebody, some brilliant guy, advised Rubio to mention it, and then Rubio, I guess, added in, and you know what they say about men with small hands? Wow. <laughs> I mean, so as far as shit show, uh, um, what do you think of Donald Trump? Was he an entertaining president? Um. Yeah, no, no, I, I definitely think he, he, he added quite a bit of entertainment value. Um, just a, one note on, on like the Marco Rubio thing. And it's so funny because I, I, I remember there was like a little, the little Marco spat and I forget, you know, the back and forth. Thanks for uh, reminding me about it. But it's like, if you're going to go after Trump, you have to like out Trump Trump, which I don't think is possible. Like you can't let that be the the level of of diss you know that that, that you, you can't that that can't be your roast i mean you got to go you got to go really hard um and and then it's also like well, how hard can you go against a guy who has no qualms about coming back at you with all sorts of shit you know um so i you know to, you know to that point i think he's a very difficult dude to handle like if you're you know you know doing debates i, I remember um watching uh watching the debate and uh Rand Paul was talking about one of the debates I think he was talking about uh you know the importance of you know decriminalizing marijuana or legalization the war on drugs like stuff that that gets you know a libertarian's heart pumping really hard and I was like I was watching the debate in a bar and you know, looking around like no one gave a shit because whatever the fuck Trump had said before then. So it was like, here you had like at least a couple of minutes of, I think what well, was an important commentary and no one gave a fuck because, you know, whatever uh, Trump's uh, shenanigans were. Um, I, I do think that Trump was entertaining. Um, I think that he was, he was funny. Um, I do think that I think a lot of people let him get away with quite a bit of shit because he angered the their enemies so much and i remember getting caught up in that too it was sort of uh enjoying watching you know lefties just get just go batshit crazy over him and sort of uh you know perhaps th that got in the way of of more um uh i don't know uh, more substance and in, in, in substantive criticism you know like maybe i it's like, yeah, maybe at the time I, I should have talked more about or looked into like, yeah, well, uh, let's see, Trump is, 
you know, having, you know, Jared Kushner, you know, doing, you know, all these deals or whatever, or it's like, hmm, we, we should be talking about them or the emoluments, emoluments clause. Is that, a, is that it? So I, I think, I think it was sort of a lot of the uh, schadenfreude of, you know, enjoying the misfortune of others got in the way of what should be, uh, I think, uh, you know, probably, you know, more the, I don't know, mature conversation. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but Rand Paul at one point, no, let me see. Donald Trump mentioned the Trans-Pacific Partnership. (laughs) And then he mentioned China. And Rand Paul, you know, very well-read, sharp guy, great, probably would be the best for the country, in my opinion, out of all the guys who are running. He just said, Donald, just so you know, China is not a part of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And there was a moment where everybody was like, ooh. And then Donald Trump, because he's a fucking shit talker, goes, Rand Paul is polling at less than 1%. And just, it's like, Trump won the moment. Trump won the fucking moment. Uh, uh, Rand Paul pointed out something very substantive. Should be relevant to the conversation. Donald Trump just turned around and talked shit right to him, and he won. Nobody cares. No, nobody gave a shit. Yeah, and and I think you know, I wonder if a big part of it was just sort of the um, the spectacle of it. Like, holy shit, can you believe what this fucking guy's doing? Like, I can't, I can't believe this is what I can't believe this is going on. Yeah, I felt, I fell for it entirely. I, I actually voted for Trump in twenty sixteen. And just kind of enjoy the shit talking. John Kasich had ran for uh, trying to be mm. the, the candidate for the Republican. Guys like that were the Republican candidates prior. They would never say anything entertaining ever, no matter what the, si- the situation was. And then Trump comes along and is like calling Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas. And right. I mean, just so much great stuff that I... I went for it. And then it wasn't until toward the end of his um, four years where I started realizing, like, man, he said he was going to drain the swamp. And look at our, look what he did to our debt. And that was even before Corona. I was like, that's, I mean, he was funny, but that's not cool. Like. <laughs> Well, we had some good laughs. We right, did guys? have some good laughs. We had some, we had some good laughs. <laughs> it's like your buddy you partied with. Maybe you guys were doing a little seedy, whatever, you know, not the greatest thing. But you did have a fuckload of fun. Were right. you doing the most admirable things? Probably not. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, you know, I really wasn't thinking about what the next what, two years are going to be like <laughs> now. You know, but now, now it's another... Uh, yeah, now that he's back in, and uh, do you think uh, he'll he'll come back to Twitter? Do you think he'll be uh, allowed back on? That's a good question. I, I, I would I think he would that, be allowed back on. I think I don't know that he wants to. Isn't he on what's it called? What's his app? Uh, Truth Social. Okay, so yeah. he maybe he's a businessman and wants to promote that. I don't know. I would think it's a good business move for his campaign. The way he got elected originally was Twitter. Well, also, I mean, you know. You know, depending on who you talk to, it seems like Twitter's, you know, obviously going through some growing pains or I don't know what, what you want to call it since a Elon Musk took over. 
I mean, Twitter might very well need, you know, Donald Trump. And I think a lot of the people who said that they would be leaving Twitter because, you know, their their disagreements with Elon Musk, I, I don't think those people would be able to leave if their, you know, their, you know, arch nemesis Donald Trump comes back on. Um, I think yeah, I think if he if he comes back on, I think a lot of those people who said they would leave just stay. You identify as a libertarian? Uh yeah. Yeah. I, I identify. I go I go back and forth sometimes, like sort of like podcast to podcast. <laughs> you know. Um uh I I'm 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 a member of the, the Libertarian Party in New Jersey. Um I uh I, I like my libertarian people, so I've had you know nothing but really great experiences uh, performing uh, for libertarians. Um, you know, going to a pork festival, porcupine festival in in New Hampshire. Um, uh, uh, what was it? The um, uh, Liberty Forum as well in Manchester, uh, uh, New Hampshire. Yeah, no, that, that's uh, that's the way I, I identify. I, I was a you know small L libertarian didn't join any party until uh, basically I moved to Jersey. Uh, then I was like, Oh, I'm going to join the LP. When was that? When was that? Was it last year? Okay. Last year. Okay. Yeah. So did you grow um, up as a Republican or a Democrat maybe, or, um, did I, I was always registered independent. I, I know that until I, uh, um, I registered Democrat, in in new york um, um and i made the joke it was like this is I'm like i've been pissing off my my friends on the left too much now i'm going to try to piss off my friends on the right and no one gave on the right gave a shit they were you know um but uh yeah i think for the most part it was you know uh, uh a liberal you know sort of uh a friend of mine described me as like it's like yeah man you just seem like kind of like a like an aclu liberal from like you know the 70s and it's like oh that kind of makes that kind of made sense if i had to describe myself like where i was like you know 10 years ago 15 years ago that would make sense interesting there, there's a lot of interesting conversations to be had around like free speech and shit like that from a traditional like liberal perspective i, I forget who it was but on the jimmy door podcast recently i heard a debate between two lefties one was saying the Republican Party's better for like free speech and freedom. And mm -hmm. the other one was saying the Democratic Party was. And it wasn't, Jimmy was kind of moderating it, but very fascinating, uh, uh, you know, back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I found what I've found is I get along with people who are big supporters of free speech. Like, I know, uh, uh, I did a, a friend of mine uh, has a podcast called live from America. Uh, my friend, Hatem uh, Gaber. And um, I, I've been on you know quite a bit and I go on every now and then as a, as a co-host and that we were on with, uh, with Jimmy Dore. He was a, a, a guest. Wow. Very and, cool. Yeah. And, and what I, what I find is like, like people on the left, like, if you support free speech, we're going to get along mm. because I, because I know we could like, we could argue about, you know, what you think, you know, economic, you know, economics should be like, or, mm. uh, or anything, 
I know we can argue about it and you're not going to try to like get me fired because I, you know, said the wrong thing. You know, it's like, and I, I think so much it's, it's sort of like, if, you, if you're looking to make these coalitions, it's like, you know, what are we passionate about that we want, you know, that we want to fix and how can we, you know, work together, you know, if you will, to, to do that. And I, I just found that like, I'm, I enjoy Jimmy Dore. I enjoy Glenn Greenwald, um, you know, and, and a lot of it, a lot of the, um, uh, a lot of the subject matter doesn't, you know, doesn't have to de devolve into, I don't know. Um, I like them. I, 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 I find myself liking more and more people who, you know, maybe a few years ago, I wouldn't necessarily have liked. Um, and it seems like a lot of it has to do with free speech, free expression, and, uh, you know, calling out problems, maybe from a different angle, but it's still calling out those same problems. Certainly an interesting topic. And I, I forget which, uh, term you used just now but it was something to the effect of um partnerships or do you say co oh, co co coalition coalition yeah okay. i think yeah and i think yeah maybe I can go back and, and edit myself no uh, i think it's but, a good term i think it's yeah. a good term because it's important mm -hmm. i mean that's very important look no further than arguably the biggest messenger for like liberty centric conversations right now dave smith mm -hmm. what's his kind of in with a lot of people is joe rogan who is not a libertarian yeah so i mean i i, th I think it's very important cannot be i don't think it can be overstated yeah and i think i, I think one of the issues too and sort of in my book uh, i talk about how just everything has been just over politicized you know, where it's sort of uh, every aspect of your being needs to choose a political side, you know, or needs to be an expression of 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 your politics. And I think that's I think that's awful. I think it's a terrible way to live life. It's definitely Maoist uh, because uh, you know, as, as people know, one of the you know goals of 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 Maoism was to basically break down the individual because what's important is the collective, you know? Um, and I think it's really important to have things in your life that the goal is what that activity is, you know, like for example, jujitsu, I don't know where, like, I, I, who the fuck knows where, like what these guys think, about you know certain aspects you wouldn't know unless you really sat down and talked to them what's most important is you're training together and you know and then you leave and you go about you know you go about your life um something as simple too is like you know uh going out to dinner you know it's like you want to go out to get some to get some food to try a new restaurant to enjoy to enjoy that you don't necessarily need <laughs> politics to invade invade it in, in my book I, I write about a a local restaurant in brooklyn that my wife and i used to go to and they sent out this email about how they're looking to do more work um to basically fight against white supremacy and systems of oppression and stand beside their you know brothers and sisters and of the lgbtq and, and all that 
It sounds in bad that I just started laughing hysterically. Like, <laughs> no, I, no. <laughs> that sounds no, very bad. I'm like, I no, like white I, supremacy. Sorry, go on. No, but but I was I was like, bro, you're a restaurant. Like, like your your mission should be to make food that is so delicious that I and my wife want to continue to come there and spend this money there. And it's like, you know, the last time we were there, it was like everything was too salty. It's like, I don't give a fuck where you are politically, like take care of your salt content. And, you know, maybe we can, we can talk. Um, so I think it's important to, you know, have these uh, uh, safe uh, spaces, if you will, um, you know, that are sort of devoid of, of, of politics. And I think that's, that's the thing about that. I think free speech is definitely helping with where, you know, you can, if you're a lefty who is a, is a, is a strong supporter of free speech, there's a good chance that you can get together with people on the right who believe that, who also believe in free speech and have a beer and bullshit and, and talk about this stuff. Um, but if you're, you know, uh, you know, censorious, if you want to shut down debate, if you want to, if you want people to lose their jobs because they say the wrong thing or, you know, uh, chances are you're not going to be that fun to hang out with. <laughs> Sounds fair. It's difficult, though. In my everyday life, I'll come across on occasion some people who try to articulate an argument how censoring Twitter or, you know, Facebook is important and, you know, disinformation can be deadly. It can be right. deadly. You got to be careful. Shit like that. And I, I, I agree with you. When I hear it, I, you know, I try to give them a fair shake and listen to it and hear what they're saying. And I agree. I think it's a, a key component to having a real healthy uh, respect uh, is the respect for, for, for free speech. And obviously, if, they're, you know, if I go up and say something rude to them and it's intended to be rude... I get it that, you know, I understand how shit works. You know, I, I, I don't don't have some fantasy where like, oh, that means I want to just be yelling the N word everywhere. I mean, that's not what it is. I, I think it's important to have a, a respect for um, people to say things that you disagree with. My wife has a bumper sticker and it says support, do something patriotic. It's corny, but it says do something patriotic, support the free speech rights of someone you completely disagree with. And I think that's true. That's very fucking that's, important. How big is that bumper sticker? Holy shit! Something along not, those lines. I may add it. Some, brief. I, I may, I may have added. My wife is a Cuban lady who has all these like anti-socialism bumper stickers. Her car is covered. Someone sees that car, and I, it, occasionally I drive it. And I'm a white guy, so I mean, I probably look like a psycho with all those. But she's a brown lady, and so it's not as big of a deal. But someone sees that car, they're thinking this lady's crazy. Wow. Have you guys, have you ever been to Cuba with her? I, I have not. I was going to go a, a few years ago. We had tickets. And I forget exactly. Let me make sure I don't butcher this. I think the, I think the Trump administration put them back on the list of like terrorist countries. Uh, so I, I technically could have went, but it turned into some real political stuff going on right then. And, and then also my wife had been kind of speaking out publicly about some stuff and it just supposedly does increase the likelihood if you go there you could be detained and run into some trouble you probably don't want yeah yeah i know a guy who um he uh 
uh, he works in, in baseball and he was a, he's a, a, a big reason why a lot of Cuban baseball players were able to defect to the U S like wow. he would help them out. Wow. And so he's like, a he, he's an American guy. He's like, he can't go to Cuba. Like he will be arrested. Um, he actually showed me there was, there was like, I guess like some version of, I don't know if it's like a kind of like Cuba law and order, like some like cop drama and the bad guy in it was based on, based on him. So like, he's like, they take it everyone from baseball. They put it, you know, <laughs> and uh, and if I, and and it, yeah, it's 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 hilarious, but also you know incredible. It it still shows you you know the, the amount of bravery that goes into uh, you know being parts of something like that and breaking free and and uh, and also I you know I just can't wait for Cubans to actually be free. You know that's going to be a long time coming. Yeah, yeah, she's my wife left Cuba in 2014 and she's always like saying she has a feeling that it's going to get better and then it's right now it's really bad there like really bad and yeah. so it's difficult to predict Andy Cruz is a gold medalist I think he's a two-time boxing gold medalist from Cuba and he just just within the past I think month escaped I think he's in Dominican Republic right now he's tried he's been caught trying to escape a couple times finally got out so now he's kind of just hanging out in the Dominican Republic. Be interesting to see what a wild life you got to live. These Cuban people, like Aroldis Chapman, uh, he's got some crazy stories about him escaping. And then like, I think there was a kidnapping involved and human trafficking and just all sorts of crazy shit goes on with these people. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. What a way to close. Yeah, yeah, real downer. Everything I watch about Cuba, learn about Cuba with my wife, I'm always saying, like, come on, you know, could you well, well, be a little more yeah. of a, a, you know, upper? I'm not looking to be, you know, you know, sad all the time. Come on, try to get with it. Well, get your people the, yeah, in line. I mean, they have all those, they have the, all those old cars. Like, isn't that amazing? Like, it's an island where all these old American cars. Wow. That is cool. <laughs> and it's beautiful it's beautiful it's a beautiful island you know i mean it's all it's like paradise i i make jokes try to make jokes with my wife that fidel castro you know he had like eight different wives they none a lot of them didn't know about each other different families different little areas he had a tropical island the high him and the high-ranking cuban officials would just walk around and go hey i i like that girl over there you know and i mean they they lived on one of the most beautiful beautiful places on earth. You know, beautiful women. You just got to kind of your pick of the litter. And it's crazy how that shit went down. I mean, he was so beloved. That's why he won every single election for <laughs> decades and decades and decades. Couldn't get enough of Fidel. I guess. <laughs> I guess he, he doesn't he didn't go quite as far. The the North Korea guy who's got all these crazy like he hit you know, his, his golf record and all this crazy shit that people believe that's, that's the most extreme case. Yeah. That's very scary. That's uh dystopic. Yeah. Also quite the downer to kind of, you know, come, <laughs> come to the yeah. conclusion of the episode with what do you have upcoming? Yeah. How often do you perform? You're a standup comedian. Actually, give me a summary. How, how often do you need to perform to keep your, your craft, uh, sharpened 
And then also, like, what what type of upcoming shows do you have? Uh, yeah, so the big thing is uh, promoting the book. Uh, that joke isn't funny anymore on the death and rebirth of comedy. So a lot of my live appearances are uh, promoting uh, promoting that book. Uh, so I'm looking to, uh, uh, I'm already starting to fill out 2023 with that. Um, uh, live gigs, if anybody's interested, they can uh, check out my website, thelouperez.com. And uh, I'll be posting my live gigs there. And um, if, uh, yeah, if anybody's looking, uh, you know, has an in at any clubs or anything like that, would like to see me perform, uh, let's hook it up. Let's make it happen. How often do you have to perform for you to stay sharp? To stay sharp. I don't um, mean like selling out a show, you know, like going in, maybe practicing, whatever you it's called, but practicing in front of even just 10 people. You know what I mean? How, oh, yeah. How, think, how active do you have to be? Yeah, a few times a week. I think that's, a, the, yeah, that's super important, at least that, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I know you had been on like the Michael Malice, uh, his podcast, What You're Welcome, right? Yep. Sure. Okay. Um, have you been on any other uh, uh, platforms, liberty-centric type platforms like that? I, I would describe Malice as liberty-centric, right? Sure, he's an anar- he's an anarchist. Yeah, he yeah. Um, Tom Woods, uh, okay. Tom Woods show been on. Okay. Uh, who else? Who else? Well, that was pretty cool. Been... You said you chatted with Jimmy Dore. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Um, the um, the subject matter was all about Ukraine. Though, so it was uh, you know the Russian invasion of of Ukraine. So it was Jimmy Dore and uh, a, I believe it was like a Washington Post journalist who had written a book recently. It just come out. So it was a topic that I didn't really know much about, you know, outside of what I was seeing on 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 Twitter. So it was definitely. Uh, I, I like opportunities when I'm able to you know listen to you know people who are on completely different sides of it, you know, and. Uh, uh, try to, you know, learn something about what's, uh, what's going on. Would you say you're on different sides uh, of that type of topic with someone like Jimmy Dore? Oh, no, no. I meant uh, Jimmy and the, uh, and the other guest uh, that, okay. that was on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I, uh, uh, I don't want nuclear annihilation. I don't want that. Um, I don't want Ukrainians to die anymore. Um, or I never did. Um, but I'm definitely limited in, you know, any sort of analysis that I could, that I can give, uh, to that. How, how much do your political views play into your comedy? Um, well, something that I try to do, uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of times like political comedy is about, you know, holding up a mirror to society. Uh, and I think it's important to every now and then turn that mirror around and make sure you're looking at yourself, at yourself and your own, your own beliefs and giving them the same, same treatment, whether it be, you know, critical or, or comical. Uh, so I try to do that as much as I, as much as I can. And I try to find the funny uh, in, you know, the most fucked up dire situations. <laughs> Hence the, the anti, anti-woke culture book. Right, I mean that's kind yeah. of the a big part of your your stick is to. Would you say you're on the end of being a, a rather offensive comedian? Are you an offensive comedian? Um, 
I don't think so. I don't think I'm offensive. Um, maybe some of my tweets. Okay. I, tweet, I tweet a little bit, give a little, little, maybe people might find offense there. Um, no, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find jokes, you know, trying to make, trying to make jokes happen. So yeah. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm like fading. Oh, it's so no. late. It's so I, late for me. No, I get it. I get it. Lou Perez, I really appreciate you joining me for the show today. Um, at the Lou Perez on Twitter. Any other, uh, I don't know, social media plugs or anything you'd like to mention? Just yeah, the website, uh, louperez.com. The Lou Perez.com. Um, I really want those long bumper stickers uh, talking about that, that your wife has on her car. I swear, it's, I'll, I'll get clarification. It's something like that. Yeah. Super corny, but a good one. Probably not as long-winded as what I said. I'll try to send you one. <laughs> Fantastic. I appreciate that. Good stuff. Well, Lou, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate you. Thank you, Kelly. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon. Thank you.